Hi everybody, welcome to this episode of the Heart Podcast. It's James Rudd here, the Digital Media Editor at Heart. And today I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Juliette Van Hattem, who's published an article all about cardiac follow-up of athletes infected with COVID after they resume elite level sports. We have a great discussion about the effects of COVID on the heart and what she showed in her study after these athletes went back to work as professional sports people. I hope you enjoyed the show and please feel free to leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks very much indeed for joining me today on this episode of the Heart Podcast. Um, perhaps we can start off by have you introduce yourself for the Heart audience. Um, who are you? Where do you work? And what do you do there, Juliet? Yes, thank you very much. And thank you for having me. Um, so I'm Juliet van Altem. I'm a former professional field hockey player and I'm now a medical doctor. Um, I'm in my third year as a PhD candidate in sports cardiology at the Amsterdam UMC. I'm supervised by Professor Wilde, uh, Professor Pinto and Dr. Jorstad. And my research focuses on sports cardiology's extreme phenotyping, especially concerning the female athlete's heart, uh, but also network medicine and the cardiac effects of COVID-19 on athletes. And indeed, it's the latter thing that you just mentioned that I wanted to chat to you to uh, about today. Um, you just published a, an original piece of research in Heart, which is called Long-Term Cardiac Follow-Up of athletes infected with uh, SARS-CoV-2 after resumption of elite level sports. I think there've been some publications in, should we say amateur sports at a sort of uh, recreational level and the effect of COVID on that. But I think yours is the first study I'm aware of that has actually looked at the effects of COVID on the heart in elite level athletes across various different sports. Um, maybe you could give us, um, Juliet, some background to the study, please. What were the kind of things that were going through your mind when you put this project together? Good thing is you already mentioned about the elite athletes. So I think it's good to first introduce our study uh, that is an ongoing multi-center cohort study. It's called the Elite Cohort. It's uh, uh, in the Netherlands and we are uh, in collaboration with the National Olympic Committee and the National uh, Sports Federation in the Netherlands. Um, so we are including elite athletes. So those are professional athletes um, and, and they... Um, so on the highest level uh, and international level of sports or Olympic or Paralympic athletes uh, from the age of 16. Um, and uh, we are investing those, uh, the, the phenotypes, um, by uh, doing uh, investigations of the ECG, uh, echocardiography, uh, cardiac MRI, but also uh, we are collecting uh, genetics uh, in our biobank, elite uh, biobank. Um, so, uh, yeah, especially uh, this cohort we used for our study uh, that uh, has been recently published in, uh, in Heart, as you already mentioned, because um, active myocarditis is a clear contraindication uh, for competitive uh, sports. And we know that um, up to 5% um, of competitive athletes have shown cardiac abnormalities uh, that was linked to SARS-CoV-2 infection. Uh, but of course, in elite athletes, um, uh, they, uh, the recommendations are to refrain sports for three to six months. Um, if you have uh, or have a suspicion of or uh, uh, been diagnosed with active myocarditis. And this is, of course, uh, this can impact their professional career. But also, if we can um, uh, investigate um, uh, the uh, 
the cardiac uh, complications or the or uh, let's say if we can investigate the cardiac uh, abnormalities over time uh, and also uh, when they are resuming uh, sports and in this particular case the elite uh, uh, elite level sports so the highest level sports um, because we think that elite athletes who rely on their cardiac health for peak performance but they're maybe also more susceptible to exercise induced cardiac abnormalities uh, and, and so we thought that would be the uh, it's better to investigate those the elite athletes instead of uh, uh, we can do that by a small group of athletes um, and, and then we can set the boundaries because then we we know like if it's um, if the uh, how can I say it right uh, so if we know the limits uh, or, or or in athletes who are performing on the highest level uh, we know uh, uh, we know uh, and they are resuming sports with or without myocardial abnormalities from a SARS-CoV-2 infection. We can see if there are adverse uh, uh, adverse uh, remodeling uh, or events or um, contraindications uh, that we can. F- mm, I'm not saying it right now, but um, don't worry. I think I, I get the message. So you, you're using a pre-existing study called the Elite Study, which, as yeah. you say, is is elite level professional athletes in the Netherlands stage above 16. And then in this particular study, you're looking at the effect of uh, COVID-19 infection, uh, both at the time of COVID, you know, in terms of effects on the heart, but then also more importantly, perhaps what happens when they go back to resuming uh, professional level sport. Um, and how did you um, select your, your test subjects and your controls for this particular study? Yeah, so as already mentioned, uh, we use the elite cohort. So it, it is an ongoing study and we initiated it in 2019. So um, we had a few athletes that are already been included before the pandemic. Uh, so those were their controls. Um, but also we included athletes from uh, March 2020 when uh, the outbreak of the pandemic was there. Um, and those were with confirmed SARS-CoV-2 infection uh, and they underwent uh, additional uh, standardized cardiovascular screening, which included a cardiac MRI. And that was both uh, at the Amsterdam UMC or the Erasmus UMC at, in Rotterdam. Um, so we used um, the athletes with a, a confirmed SARS-CoV-2 infection as the subject. Um, so uh, for a small sample of 23 athletes, they were their own controls because we, they were already included in the elite cohort. Um, uh, and on the other hand, we had a contractional analysis where we had um, 123 athletes uh, who were exposed to SARS-CoV-2 and we compared them with 136 uh, elite athletes who already were included before the pandemic in our elite cohort. Okay, so they were uh, 136 controls and 123 with proven uh, COVID infection of which the infected ones, 9% in your paper, it said had cardiovascular symptoms, mean age of around 26 years and 40% female um, is the the cohort that you you studied. What kind of assessments did you do? I know you've mentioned some of them, but just for completeness at baseline and then follow-up assessments in terms of, uh, was it blood tests, CCGs, what kind of imaging and things did you do? So at baseline, we collected uh, the cardiovascular screenings data so that included demographics, uh, but also electrocardiography, 
cardiac biomarkers, inflammatory markers, um, and a cardiac MRI. And um, yeah, for follow-up, um, so uh, was conducted for athletes who um, showed SARS-CoV-2 abnormalities uh, on their CMR. Um, we followed them up with a cardiac MRI, um, which was based on clinical judgment, but uh, ideally it was uh, at three, six, and nine months post-infection. And we also collected for them rhythms. So we did rhythm monitoring um, using a um, using 24-hour holders, but also uh, with an eight-day continuous one lead monitoring, which was a Philips biosensor. And we also performed cardio uh, pulmonary exercise tests. Uh, and during the follow-up for all athletes, so the whole uh, 123 athletes who were exposed to SARS-CoV-2, we collected data on their cardiac symptoms, uh, the events, uh, if they happened, uh, and also sports participation. Um, so we did that with the, uh, via the online or via the ongoing elite system, um, but also via their uh, dedicated sports physicians. And did you use any special methods to analyze your data in terms of statistics? Uh, no, not not specialized. I think we, we, we did all statistical analysis uh, in our studio. Okay, and fairly standard methods. Okay. Yeah. And Julia, what would you say were your your main results, both in the cross-sectional part of the study and also in the longitudinal analyses? And of course, people can go and look at the figures in the paper, which illustrate the results beautifully. But just the headline results, what would you say uh, were the main ones? Yeah, so I think the main result was that um, we observed no significant differences in both functional and volumetric CMR parameters. Um, when analyzed both prospectively, but also with our cross-sectional analysis. Um, I think in our cross-sectional analysis, we had uh, four athletes uh, who were infected with SARS-CoV-2, uh, who showed also late gadolinium enhancement on their cardiac CMR. So this was 3%. Um, and while none was observed in the controls, and also none uh, um, of the athletes who were uh, in the prospective analysis, so the 23 uh, athletes showed any late gadolinium enhancement or any uh, pathological late gadolinium enhancement. Um, so in the four athletes who had um, uh, cardiac abnormalities on their CMR, we we saw over time that the progression of the LGE patterns different. So one had um, complete resolution after three months of the first CMR, um, and two athletes had persistent late gadolinium enhancement on their uh, uh, on their CMRs uh, during follow-up, uh, and only one athlete uh, had ongoing inflammation up to seven months, um, which is also been extensively described by my colleague Joel Dams uh, in a case report in the European Heart Journal. Um, and over the two years of follow-up, I think the most important uh, results are that all four athletes returned to elite-level competition. Uh, who had those late gadolinium enhancements without any rise in ventricular arrhythmias or negative cardiac changes. Um, and of the 123 athletes who were uh, exposed to SARS-CoV-2, none reported new cardiac symptoms or events during those more than two years follow-up. And also 96% of the athletes who recovered from the SARS-CoV-2 infection uh, continued their participation in elite-level sports, with none ending their careers due to the virus. Okay, and that's I think the the last bit you said there is maybe the most important part of the whole study, isn't it? 
Um, did you, you may not have access to this data, but do you know if any of the athletes had to sort of participate at a lower level, like in a division lower or, you know, um, in a, a sort of a less elite team for a while while they're recovering or did they all get back to the same level of performance that they had before they were infected with SARS? I think that's that's a really important remark uh, that you that you're making because I think the athletes are surrounded by a really dedicated team. Uh, so also the rehabilitation and reintegration into sports um, is is more advanced um, and more uh, personalized than any uh, other athlete. Uh, so of course there needs to be um, uh, how do you say the more so of a careful reintroduction or a tailored program i guess of yeah, yeah exactly so of retraining yeah and in most um uh, and for most athletes as a former athlete i know that that always reintegration uh needs to be uh, or that reintegration uh rehabilitation that includes uh participation uh and also a competition first on a on a bit of a lower level and then uh, complete returning to uh, to the elite level. And you said none, none of the athletes had to retire, is that right, from professional sports as a result of COVID, as far as you're aware? Yeah, yes, yeah. that's indeed. And the, the group that you um, included in the study, I'm just looking now at table one, so you had about 11% from your sport of field hockey, but you also had road cycling, and about a third of them were soccer players, and you have water polo, cycling, tennis, swimming. So you have basically a whole cross section, don't you? Of different sports. Because I was just wondering whether, if you're if you're a sort of athlete compared to if you are a a cyclist, you know, whether there would be any difference. But it looks like you didn't find any differences across any level of of sport. No, indeed, yes. And how would you conclude then, Juliet? What was the sort of uh, takeaway message that you uh, came up with in your paper after all this work? Yeah, so I think in conclusion, the most important is that um, our study, our prospective and controlled study, uh, demonstrates the safety of resuming elite level sports in athletes uh, who were infected with the SARS-CoV-2. Um, and that during two years of follow-up, elite level sports did not lead to any detrimental cardiac effects uh, or any increase in cardiac events, even in four athletes who showed SARS-CoV-2 associated myocardial involvement. Um, and as already said, none of the athletes infected with SARS-CoV-2 ended their professional sports careers due to SARS-CoV-2. And did any of the results surprise you? Were you expecting worse results than you got or better results? Or were they about what you expected? Well, first, I think what we expected um, was that up to 5% of athletes showed uh, cardiac abnormalities. So in our study, it was 3%. So I think it's, yeah, that's what we expected. Um, and what has surprised us was that um, we only found uh, cardiac abnormalities on CMR in the cross-sectional group. Uh, and as also, also showed in previous studies, um, uh, mostly cross-sectional analysis, uh, they showed some somewhat higher percentages, um, but uh, we did not found any uh, cardiac abnormalities on the CMR in the prospective group. Um, so I think that that was a result that was really surprising us. Um, so yeah, we are thinking maybe that um, 
it's it's just like a sample of 23 athletes so it's a small sample mm. but if we can uh maybe with uh international collaborations we can make that group larger uh because maybe we are looking at uh if we can prospectively analyze all those athletes maybe we don't find any cardiac abnormalities uh, due to a SARS-CoV-2 infection and maybe we are um, overreaching the um, uh, the amount of cardiac abnormalities due to the infection uh, because we are only analyzing it in a cross-sectional way. Okay, I see what you mean. Yeah, without any longer-term follow-up. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if the effects of SARS-CoV-2 on the heart are similar. Do you, would you expect the same thing after, you know, bad influenza in uh, in elite level athletes has that been looked at before other other nasty respiratory infections do we have any information about that yes i think that's why uh, this this study was also initiated because we know that from mouse models we know that the coxsackie virus can cause uh, detrimental effects so arrhythmias and those kind of stuff so um i think with COVID, we had a unique opportunity to uh, follow an infection from the beginning. Um, and I think uh, hopefully those results, uh, uh, we can analyze it more in depth and we can find, finalize, can, um, um, can learn from those results uh, to uh, uh, or for the influenza virus or other infections. Yeah, whether they can be applied as well, exactly. And what's the next steps, um, Juliet, for for your research in this area? Are you are you finished now with COVID research, or are you planning, uh, like you said, an international collaboration to get more international elite athletes that have had COVID infection and study the long term effects on them? What what's next? Yes, I already as you said. Um, first, I think longer results will give us more uh, opportunities to. Uh, to investigate the, the, the precise associations between sports and uh, an infection with COVID uh, on cardiac uh, on cardiac remodeling. Um, so that is one one thing. And of course, because the elite cohort is an ongoing study, we we will we will investigate it on a long term basis as well. Um, and also, as said, um, we want to uh, initiate. Uh, international collaborations to first um, also look into uh, because we only have four athletes who had cardiac abnormalities after the SARS-CoV-2 infection. We want to combine results for only athletes who had uh, cardiac abnormalities and yeah. seen on their CMR to uh, investigate it, it better and see what uh, what the potentially uh, effects are uh, from sports on on the heart uh, with late Gadolini and Monsens due to COVID. And also to to have collaborations to uh, prospective uh, uh, analyze those data. Uh, Because as said before, maybe we are overreaching it a bit, uh, the results, uh, because because we are only performing cross-sectional analysis. But I think, yeah, our study, of course, goes uh, a bit further than only COVID. So in the future, we will uh, do, especially with the elite cohort at the Amsterdam UMC, we will go for uh, genetic analysis, but also for uh, the female athlete's heart. Uh, we're currently working on um, the extreme phenotypes of the female athlete's heart, uh, differences between males and female athletes. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Juliet, for your time. It's been a real pleasure to chat to you today. 
Um, if the paper is not already open access, I'll make it open access for a few weeks after the podcast comes out so everybody can read the, uh, the full paper. But uh, yeah, once again, thanks so much for your time for joining me today. Thank you so much. Thank you.